this is Eric Oldman. You're listening to the Rockin' Chicago Show. In each episode, I connect with musicians, artists, and industry people who are involved with Chicago's underground and independent music scene. The show is really a conversation about our creative processes, our hopes, our dreams, and experiences recovering as we all navigate through the challenges brought on by the pandemic and moving forward to a new day where we can create and perform music in and around our fair city.
The name of that track is Lure, and that is on the Shut In Sounds 3, The Righteousness of Spring digital compilation that is up on Bandcamp, uh, completely composed and produced by this episode's guest, a gentleman by the name of Brett Figura. Brett is a composer and drummer. He's based out of the south suburbs of Chicago. Um, he's been around the Chicago music scene for a bit. Uh, you can also uh, find him performing with uh, the rockabilly surf rock uh, trio, The Real Gone. They do uh, some really cool instrumentals and some interpretations of pop tunes and rock tunes um, all around the Chicagoland area. And he also performs with uh, singer-songwriter Dan Dotry. And we're going to feature another track off the compilation he did with Dan. This one we just heard uh, was featuring vocalist Melissa Powers. And tonight we're going to talk all about this uh, great compilation, um, how it's benefiting the uh, National Independent Venue Association and Chicago's Independent Venue League's fundraising endeavors. This is a fundraising album. Hope you enjoy the interview and the conversation with Brett. Here we go. You've been doing these for the last year. This is like the third volume of this. Um, with this third uh, shut-in sounds series or compilation that you put together, mm-hmm. um, were you trying to setting out to do something completely different conceptually or was this like a, how did you come to, I mean, one, it's, it's 16 tunes. Yeah. And then the idea of like having all these sort of diverse styles and then, um, you know, just a different vocalist to work with on top of that. How, how did that Genesis kind of come together? Yeah, sure. So um, the very first one was just all me solo stuff, instrumentals, and um, so that was just me really trying to wrap my head around GarageBand as a software and can I compose by myself, uh, sort of really feeling my way through everything from recording to mixing the whole shebang. And once I got done with that and I was like, oh, well, maybe I could do this. Maybe this can be a thing. Um, I got input from a local musician here in Joliet. His name is John Condren. Um, he really gave me some positive feedback on that initial effort, solo effort. And we got to talking. Um, and as a drummer in the area, I've always enjoyed working with as many people as possible and doing as many projects as I can squeeze in my schedule. Sure. And uh, we me and John had not done too much together. So I was like, well, maybe I'll write a song and, you know, you can send a vocal track, sing on top of it. And then it kind of spiraled from there as far as having as many people as I can get on board to do that. And so that, that inspired that second album. But back to your point, conceptually, with this third one, uh, I definitely was trying for a more I guess uplifting positive note as the times were kind of changing coming out of 2020 into 2021 looking a little bit more hopeful so I was trying to write a little bit more hopeful because the uh the previous one is kind of dark (laughs) right and um I learned a lot from the second shut-in sounds, which had, which was the first one to include a bunch of vo- 
<clears throat> vocalists. I learned a lot in just learning how to mix and um, getting getting better recordings out of out of my drums and stuff. Okay, so I mean, it's, it's that's kind of a cool uh, path to take with that. Just um, you know, kind of improving your sort of tool sets as a musician. Um, just the the breadth of material, though, like the sixteen pieces, were they just things that you kind of kind of put together sort of stream of consciousness wise like you just kind of mm. sat down and wrote wrote things or was it more like okay i have this idea of like there's these people i want to work with and i'm going to compose something for them to kind of re- react to sure um so everything everything that essentially that i've done the past year that you see on Bandcamp, um it being a drummer it all starts with the drums so i record slash compose my drum part first. So I kind of have typically, sometimes it's automatic. I'll just go up and and kind of in a stream of consciousness, play through what I have in my head might be a three, four or five minute song. And I try to play section by section, be mindful that like, oh, this can be an A section, this can be a B section. And, um, I'll go up and I'll record that. And uh, sometimes there's a certain genre I'm modeling it after I have in mind or something, certain artists that I have kind of in mind that I want to like kind of get the spirit from and try to see if I can compose something along those lines. Definitely like trying to study certain artists and be like, hmm, what makes their compositions sound like that or have that feel. So sometimes I'm very mindful of that. And I'm definitely like striving to do something in the style of as kind of a, a study of sorts. Sure. And uh, so, yeah, what happens is I record the drums first, then sit in garage band using the MIDI controller, virtual keyboards, sort of set up and uh typically it's starting it starts with bass then on top of that and i'll construct some sort of bass cabinet or whatever in garage band and try to get the sound that i want and then start uh usually usually parts are improvised and played through i don't like cut and paste or pull anything from anywhere else and Oh, so you do everything as a full take then? You're not even like chopping anything up. It's all like you do as a full live take. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of this like mental hurdle I had to get over. Yeah, I I really wanted (laughs) like initially I didn't ever think I could ever do a solo album because I got this instrumentalist attitude of like I have to play every instrument. Right. And then once I got past that hurdle, I'm like, well, I love like Brian Eno and all these other, you know, Right. Kind of composers that don't do that. I, I'm a big fan of Uncle. I don't know if you ever listen to Uncle. Yep. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. So, and Uncle has all these featured vocalists that'll come in. And um, so I was like, well, why am I, you know, keeping myself from making things? Because I can't play the guitar when I can right. play the keyboard and assign that sound to that. But like part of, of being truer to that was to keep, the humanized aspect of it, of happy accidents and not being completely 
on uh, 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 quantizing things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and over editing yourself. Right. Exactly. It's very important to me to to keep it as human as possible and imperfectly perfect as possible. <laughs> so I really wanted to play through. Yeah, that's cool. That you I mean naturally as a drummer, you you'd start off with kind of the pulse or the the rhythm of whatever you wanted to work with and layer on top of that too. Um, you know, just my personal experiences. I, I'm the I'm the other end of the band. I'm a guitar player, so I always mm-hmm. think, well, okay, I have to play the melody. Everything has to be melodic. Sure. Can't have anything without a melody. And as I was kind of listening through the pieces, I kind of like the the a. There's a use of space because your rhythms are super intentional. Like there, there's a it's you know not a lot of flash or a lot of like ornate stuff going on, but there's yeah, yeah. a really intentional beat that you can pick up on. And everything just kind of floats over the top of that rather nicely with your synth parts and all that. And, and, and in some ways you don't know when, where, where, when the vocal is going to come in at the start of the track either. It doesn't really necessarily follow like a strict pop songwriting format, which is really cool. cool. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, I think that's that, you know, that kind of approach is interesting. I mean, and you, you know, you think about it from sort of an R and B or, almost like a rap perspective. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, beats, beats in the studio. That's what it's all about now. Yep. I mean, it's kind of the fundamentals for kind of modern day songwriting. So I think you mentioned uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, I was catching some of that and I was also catching a yes. little bit of, I don't know, a little bit of like ween. Like, I don't know if you're a fan of the band ween. I am. Um, they're older stuff. Like just yeah. there's that, that, that experimental nature. Like when they're, you know, the two of them are sitting in a hotel room somewhere and it's just <laughs> like you, that, that organic feel of like what's going on in the room or whatever is like really well captured with that too. So that's um, great. Let's take a quick break and listen to another track off of shut in sounds three. This one's called keep walking.
So, so the pieces themselves, then you, you just kind of like created these kind of layered compositions. Was there any intentionality with the vocalists you were working with as far as like who you were writing for? Or is it like, hey, I, I got these 16 ideas and here, pick one or like, or I think you might do like, you, you know, so, so and so like the, the Dan Daughtry piece, you might, this one might be good for you or, you know, how, how did that kind of connection with the vocalist come together sure yeah um that's the interesting part because uh i write all the tracks first with nobody specific in mind but okay. writing for the knowledge that somebody will sing over this so i definitely aim like all the melodic stuff is done so that there's right. hopefully something the vocalist could capture or glean or work with melodically from there but i throw them all in a drop box and i uh everybody that um agreed to be on board i said okay you know at the end of the week friday 7 p.m i'm gonna send mm -hmm. you the link to the drop box and then go through them and first come first serve Pick your song. <laughs> so it's just, it's like you're wheeling out the bread cart for the peasants. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So there was a couple of people who didn't get the song they kind of really wanted. Oh. You know, someone got to it first or whatever. And, um, yeah. But everybody did a great job, you know. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So uh, one thing I kind of wanted to ask too, and, and this is kind of um, – not necessarily so much about uh, the compilation that you put together, but it's really kind of about you know, kind of your area. Um, and sort of what like, is kind of the Southland as it's been called. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. You know, it's, it's like separate from the Chicagoland theme park, I guess. Or sure. Whatever. Um, sure. Or it's a certain, certain section of Chicagoland. Every time I hear these like terms, I just think about Disneyland and it's just like, <laughs> like right? oh, what does the Southland have? Which rides does that have? Yeah. Have, like the lazy river, right? Or, <laughs> it's got the know, rock bumper cars. It's got the rock right. Island. Right. The rock Island brewery. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, the people that you were working with, um, were they all kind of, in your sort of area, your community of like kind of the uh, New Lenox, Mokina, Joliet, kind of south suburbs area of Chicago, or are these just people who are from all over the place? Um, generally, I, I've come into contact with them uh, either from the south suburbs or, or Chicago. Uh, they, okay. they don't all reside here right now, though. Um, I've got a few people on the album in California right now. Okay. Um, see Gabrielle Sutton. She's up in the city. Um, trying to think. Let me look at the at the list. But in general, they they are not all right yeah. in the suburbs here. But they're kind of strewn about in the area. Yeah, between the city and the. And these are all people you had worked with in other projects in the past, or uh, just. 
kind of acquaintances? How, how did you come up with this group of people? So just kind of curious. Yeah. Um, a little bit of both. Some of them I've never worked with before. And, you know, that's part of the beauty of all this is either I've shared a bill or they've booked me or I've seen them sure. live or something. Um, but uh, I kind of, with this album, I put it out there and just asked for volunteers first and um, okay. a bunch of people stepped forward. And then there was a few people I deliberately you know, sought out and asked when I had a few songs left. I was like, I need to find a couple more vocalists and who might be good for this or that. Um, and then the previous one I, I did, I think, email all of those folks on the on Shut In Sounds 2 and sought all those folks out like uh, directly. How did how did the process of doing this? How did this change your abilities as a, as a musician and, and I guess as a composer as well? Mm. I want to kind of think about those as those two points. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I really never saw myself as ever being able to really create a bunch of music by myself as a drummer. Right. I've always devoted my talent to kind of serving singers and songwriters, and right. I spent a lot of time in instrumental bands actually playing a lot of various instrumental music <clears throat> playing other people's original instrumentals and stuff like that too some cover stuff um but so kind of what started me messing around with some recordings is having um having some people ask for some drum tracks and having to try to figure out how to do that from home and so i had this uh dropbox i created called brett's beatbox and i would just throw in <laughs> throw in some beats in there and send them off to some people um and one thing that kind of boosted my self-confidence i have a, a friend and a kid sister are you familiar with her as an artist in chicago oh i'm sorry who kid sister no i haven't heard of them okay so she's an artist from chicago okay. um great singer and and whatnot and she had asked for for some beats for demos and i was like right. oh my goodness um i can't believe uh right. you're asking me for that i feel honored right. so um i was like you know well if she trusts me to do this maybe i can do something so uh that along with another friend of mine uh his name is joe kuda he um he's a new lennox fella and a longtime friend and old bandmate for years he's been trying to push me to write solo stuff and he's been sending me microphones and cables and giving me the awesome. tools to make it happen right. right so uh this confluence of events of people kind of like telling me i can do it and then yep. covid hitting and right. then kind of gives you the time to do it right yeah. yeah yeah the time and and um sort of like okay there's you can't play with anybody else right now so might as well try oh you know what? i'm forgetting something important um i work for marine valley community college in their marketing department mm -hmm. as a graphic designer and um they needed uh music for an upcoming commercial campaign where we were producing and uh <laughs> they're like why don't you do it right you're the musician guy right yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, I've never done that before, but why not give it a whirl? So uh, there's a tune on my first 
Shut In Sounds called, uh, it's the first track, it's called The Spot. It's literally the commercial spot that I made for the college. <clears throat> and that's kind of really what was the first thing that I did uh, as in Garage Band and, and doing all the production on and, uh, you know, making it out into the world to be heard on a, on a mass scale. Um, so I was like, okay, maybe I can actually do this. I, I mixed something, you know, I used the garage band mastering tool or whatever, you know, and, right. <laughs> you know, did the research to try to get it up to snuff so it would function, you know? Mm -hmm. So when I actually made that piece that, that was kind of like sort of that aha moment, like you said, where I just prior to that had watched an Eno documentary, to, which kind of reminded me, oh, yeah, you don't like all sorts of people make stuff without necessary, necessarily right. playing the instrument, you know? So after mm -hmm. I did that, I was like, okay, so let me learn how to use the virtual keyboard, which I, all this stuff that's on Bandcamp is all play, played live on my typing keyboard, <laughs> not a MIDI keyboard. <laughs> wow. It's a pretty good, pretty cool sounds on it, too. I really like it. It's a really warm analog sense that you're going on. And I was asking, like, that was just like a heavily processed guitar, but that's actually you're just using the software interface and performing with that. that that's yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, so I really tried to go in and tweak. I didn't want to use the stock sound on any of it. Right. So I really went in and tried to customize them as much as possible using various references from recordings I liked and stuff. And because um, I wanted to try to emulate some of the sounds that we all kind of love. Because you can yeah. tell, you know, when you're using it right out yeah, of the box. It needs work. <laughs> so they give you, yeah, they give you lots of plugins. You can download third-party plugins. And then, um, you know, you can alter the, from a guitar amp, you can alter right. the the head you know, the yep. mic setup, like all that stuff. So I learned how important like EQ and, and you know, the verb setups and all that stuff is. And I could try to give it a more real tone. But yeah, that's that stuff was really, really important. Those first couple of things to get past the hurdle of, of, uh, being able to to trust that you have the ears right. and whatnot to to make stuff. Right. Anybody probably listening to this, um, you know, you're you've been putting these out just to help with you know various you know either social justice causes or you know, but I, the last two and this one in particular, you're really trying to fundraise for uh, Neva and Civil. Um, yeah, that's certainly uh, admirable. Um, for the stuff that you were working on, did this kind of spill into any of your other like projects that you have like ongoing that were either happening before COVID or things that are firing back up? Like is this change any of the dynamics with any of those things like you're working on now? Or is this just kind of its own entity? Um, as of right now, it's kind of its own yeah. thing. Um, it'd be great to kind of find some avenue to perform some of these at some point with somebody a couple of people have said you should you should put on a concert you know and and have all of these people sort of guest um 
uh, so I've been kind of kicking that around. I, I haven't really put it out there besides with a couple, couple private conversations, but that would be a lot of fun to make happen and uh, still have it be for the charitable cause if possible and um, create a house band to learn the music sort of and, and then have all these people sort of step up and, and do their vocal parts and it'd be fun. Yep. So when you when you're writing the stuff that you uh, put together for this too, was it all kind of just organic jamming that you did, and you would kind of um, just kind of either from memory uh, play the parts and layer it that way, or were you actually like charting any of the stuff out, like you know, just kind of reflecting again on kind of the creative process behind this? Yeah. Um... I, I wish my writing skills were strong enough to, you know, compose it out and whatnot. But um, I am also like very much a student of improvisation sure, sure. and sort of gut instinct. Yeah. Um, I love, you know, going on stage and, and being tightly rehearsed, but then leaving some space some for flavor into it, allowing anything to have yeah. you. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and I've done a few, I was in an avant-garde ensemble a while back where there was no um, preconceived content. We this would go out improv. there and improvise. Nice. Like, yeah. So uh, there's a, a warm place in my heart for those risks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what I would typically do um, is um, start with a, a basic idea, like I said, of kind of like what I might want to try to achieve with the song sort of genre wise um, mm. in relationship to what I was doing with the drums. So then um, improvise out um, one part. Let's say I'm gonna start with, it's typically another rhythm part. So it's either bass or like a rhythm guitar. Um, and then sometimes it's very deliberate what the rhythms are to uh, push whatever that genre may be you know, if, um, you know, say it's this sort of funky thing, I definitely want like muted string guitar, maybe doing, you know, tight muted accents on two and four or just on four or something, you know, and I'll let that inform the next part that I do and so on and so forth. So it's kind of like this domino layering mm -hmm. effect. Um, and typically the melody would end up last but not always some sometimes i would just play the melody over the top first and then create bass as a supporting mm -hmm. role and have bass movement kind of take the song where it needs to mm -hmm. go um but uh yeah it's usually one act informing the next okay. uh improvisationally right, right. But yet being informed overall by a genre or or style that I'm trying to okay. hit.
sitting on the porch eating our litter. Got your tie to crack and your hunting get her. Ain't nothing in this world that's worse than a hater. But I sure do like them French fried potatoes. Well, everyone around here is crowding me. Well, ain't nothing new, but it's a sight to see. Well, I can't see clearly with this many eyes. Well, gotta get them open, gotta get your prize. Gotta get your prize, gotta get your prize. That was Get Your Prize featuring the vocalist Kevin Krauss off of uh, Shut In Sounds Volume 3, uh, The Righteousness of Spring. So let's get back to our interview with Brett and uh, kind of talk through some more of his process. Yeah, I, I like the, um, there's like a definite, like the indie vibe is very pervasive with a lot of the, the material. Um 
trying to think of oh yeah the keep walk the keep walking right. tune you have a, just a really interesting uh-huh you know going back to that avant-garde sort of like it's like you're just playing this really it's not off but it's a, a kind of a loping pulse and then it just keeps things off kilter enough to kind of keep things progressing and then you yes. come in with the vocals <laughs> and kind of the arrangement and it's it's so cool so um yeah oh, uh, like i said i you know i've been listening to the tracks over the course of the last few days and just really kind of digging the, the variety and there is there is that connected thread of like that that feel you're going for you know um but like not that you kind of mentioned this sort of avant-garde thing that you kind of have as part of your sort of wheelhouse like there's that sort of and then mm-hmm. you can bring a brian eno too who's a, kind of a proponent of like just turning things on their head as they need to be just to kind of keep things either interesting or just kind of keep the perception of things of the listener off enough to keep them engaged, you know, kind of goes back to almost this this jazz idea, talking about improv, like Mm -hmm. Duke Ellington, who always in his compositions had one line or one, um, whether it's a rhythm line or a harmony or something that was off just by a hair, but that Mm. that, that Mm -hmm. makes it work and it gives it that flavor, you know? So my hat's off to you. Yeah. Sure. Um, Yeah. Thank you. Um, do you have any plans to try to put this stuff on like a physical media or you, you're just doing this purely as it's just people can download it and you're just taking all the money and giving it right over to, to Neva and civil and it's trying to keep it simple or, um, yeah, yeah. That was kind of like my initial thing simply because money. It, from a necessity <laughs> standpoint. Yeah. 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 It totally <laughs> like I've, you know, I didn't, I don't have any, like the whole reason why I'm not taking money is because like, right. you know, I have a good enough sort of day job. Like I, I really yeah. don't need it. I mean, everybody likes more money and all, right. but like, um, and you know, it's, it's so important for our music and entertainment community to keep, to keep everything rolling yeah. you know, um, as musicians. Right. So, uh, there's just, I, I mean, I have no personal capital. Right. I would have to like seek sponsorships oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. or something yeah. like that, you know, to like raise the capital to put something physical together yeah. so that, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. A few people, you know, I'm a huge vinyl fan. Right. They're like, why don't you press it's it to expensive. vinyl? <laughs> right. <laughs> it is. So it'd have to be like right. a whole, I mean, I guess you could always do like a Kickstarter thing. Right. Or but then it's just, it turns into that never ending spiral of what's the real, what's the real mm-hmm. point? Like do you just directly want to help something. Right. Or, you know, what, what is the vinyl really going to bring? Is it going to bring that much more right. benefit to your benefactors, you know? So, exactly. so I mean, my, so, so I've seen some other folks around the city doing that kind of stuff and, you know, I, I guess they, they kind of have an inroad to, to be able to deal with that or they have a good backer, but you're just trying to do something from the heart, yeah, trying to yeah. do something from your heart and just, just making the music and just kind of giving, giving back to the, these, these organizations who are hopefully helping us keep the lights on where we like to perform. Um, yeah. You, you know, it, that's a, that's too, a lot of work um, on, I on could, its own. So I, I I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. cut you off. That's all right. No, that's okay. Um, well, I was, super shot when i put out my initial solo album the first so uh shut in sounds like all these people i put it up for free and all these people started buying it and i totally did not expect it um and i didn't need it so i was i almost felt guilty you know people were like 
hurting. It was, you know, COVID had already, you know, been happening. People are out of work and stuff, and they're sending their money. And I'm like, all right, for what are all, whatever else I do, like, I gotta, I gotta like find a cause or do something because I, you know, I really don't need this. Yep. You know, and I was finding just great enjoyment out of finding a new sort of process and outlet. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it feels good to, uh, sort of find some people that, you know, need it. Absolutely. Have some, have some of those venues hopefully continue on and, um, not shudder. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) Has there been a lot of places that you would typically play in your area? Have they closed down or are are they able to kind of stay open? Um, just kind of curious. Yeah. Out out in the burbs, they've been a lot more fortunate than, than the city because of the different sort of situations they have in the suburbs and in in the city, the city had some pretty uh, strict guidelines for a longer period of time and all this stuff. There's also less of a cover Um, band scene in the city too. So that, that tape typically is a a good venue Um, revenue generator, you know, People yeah. can say what they want about cover bands, but they 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 have a, a certain you know a certain audience that appreciates them a certain mm-hmm. thing they fill and and I, honestly most of my friends who are, you know are people who are professional musicians full time they have something they're doing in in, in yeah. that vein um, that's because right. it, it generates income for everybody involved so right. Um, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen a, a few places here. The Wire and Berwyn shut down. I mean, it's not in the city, but it's close. Oh yeah, that's and then, right. Uh, a couple other smaller places that seem like they're they're gone now. Um, but yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So that's, I mean, that's good to hear that at least because like, I I know your area like they're just there's quite a good glut of like really good musicians out that way. Um, you know. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. And and. Um, I know there's kind of a kind of a healthy sub scene almost, or it's like its own kind of entity. It's kind of different from the city, so uh, that that's good. To yeah, hear, yeah. You know, you're getting back out there and playing again too. So you know, hey, it was great chatting with you, Brett. Um, thanks so much. For, hey, thanks for having yeah, me. Uh, keep up the good work, and awesome. um, you know, hopefully the folks who are listening uh, enjoy the music, and uh, we'll uh, check out uh, Shut In Sounds Three: The Righteousness of Spring. Mm-hmm. All right, have a good night. Thank you so much. You too, Eric. You can check out Starting Sounds 3, The Righteousness of Spring on Brett's Bandcamp. That's brettfigura.bandcamp.com. I'll have a link and a player up actually on rockinchicago.org with this podcast episode for you all to check out as well. Please do. If you like this music, please consider uh, buying the compilation. Uh, Very noble of Brett with these other musicians that he's worked with to uh, donate the proceeds to Neva and Civil. So um, check all that out. And once again, thank you so much for listening and please be kind to each other. We're going to wrap up uh, this episode with one last track off of the compilation. This is You Left Your Mark featuring Dan Doherty. <laughs>